Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. But before we do, really, we want to talk about how these near-death experiences, they don't teach us what is truth. Rather, they reinforce for us who are believers, they reinforce what the Bible says about life after death. And so um, we're not taking any of these near-death experiences as the gospel or as the Bible. Um, that's, not, that's not what we're doing. Um, but instead, we are um, looking at some of these testimonies of people who have, who have died, some of them for um, 30 minutes, some for up to 90 minutes, I believe one of them was 90 minutes. Uh, their heart has stopped, their brain waves have stopped, and yet they're still having experiences. And they're verifiable experiences uh, from people who are in the room and, 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 and in the situations. And so it's really interesting to look at some of these near-death experiences and see how they relate to, how they correlate to what Scripture already tells us. And um, what I've found is that as I've studied about heaven and as I've shared with heaven um, to other people, uh, most people don't have much of a concept of even what the Bible says about heaven. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about this, this earth, <clears throat> this time period in which we live, but we, have, we, we, we spend very little time focusing on the, the hope that is heaven, which actually the Bible spends a tremendous amount of time on. So we want to spend some time on that today. Um, Michelle Berrigan, yeah, yeah, good to see you guys. Uh, awesome. Well, we want to spend some time on that today. One of the questions, <clears throat> or one of the things that I came across as I was, as I was um, researching heaven, uh, there's an MTV post um, that talked about how they don't want to go to heaven because there's no sex in heaven. I'll just leave you with that. Cheers. <clears throat> Cheers to y'all. Uh, there's no sex in heaven. And first off, uh, when, I, when I read that, I thought, wow, um, what a tremendous compliment to the creator of the universe, to the one who invented sex. These people, uh, many of whom claim to not even believe in him, and yet they love his handiwork. Uh, they're so in love, actually, with his handiwork that they don't want to leave it. They never want to leave it. Um, and for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I mean, God invented sex. He came up with the idea. This was not the devil in some back alley, some porn shop. God invented sex and sexuality. God invented attraction. God invented sensuality. All of that stuff, right? It's not Victoria's Secret. Come on, somebody. This is something that God invented. This is something that he came up with in his mind. In, in, in his infinite wisdom, he said, man, our, uh, the people are going to have to procreate. And let's see, how can we do this? Uh, well, they could just go off and lay eggs somewhere, I guess like chickens or whatever. But instead, he made it incredibly pleasurable and incredibly awesome. And it's kind of cool that even MTV says, man, what God has done already is so awesome. Like we just, we, we just don't even want to leave it. This is, this is so great. We don't ever want this to end. Well, man, if you love what God did here, you are really going to love what God's about to do. Because the same God who created sex, invented sex, invented intimacy between a husband and wife, that same God is telling us that he has something better for us. He's got a 2.0, so to speak. Um, and so I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, I'm not even going to venture to uh, guess on that. But I do know 
Um, I, I know this past week I talked on our Facebook group uh, all about marriage in heaven because Jesus, there's a famous passage where Jesus talked about how there, people won't be married in heaven. And so many people come away from that thinking, oh, we're just not going to know each other and, and uh, they're going to be over there in that mansion. I'm going to be over here in this mansion. But we, gotta have a to- we have a totally messed up view of that. And so Jesus was not saying there will not be love. Jesus was not saying there won't be intimacy. Jesus wasn't saying there won't be recognition of people who we love. In fact, Jesus was saying the opposite of that. He was saying there will be a greater love, there will be a greater intimacy, and there will be a greater knowing. See, nowadays, to recognize, you look on the outside in this atmosphere, we look on the outside and say, oh yeah, I know that person, right? Uh, yeah, I, I know her, I know him. And that's how we recognize. Well, in, 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 the, in the new heaven, there's a whole different system. Scripture says that we will know as we are known, which means that we will know, we will, we will, we will understand. Like, like, and this is what Ro and I have talked about, my wife and I, we've talked about how, how we really don't know each other very well. We've been married for like almost 14 years and she's still surprising me and I'm still disappointing her that's that's how that's how that goes uh we're still like we're still trying to figure out who in the world we are and so we've said man if i could live one day inside of her head it would help so much and i think if she could live one day inside of my head he would help her a whole lot uh but the truth is we can't do that all we can do in this dimension is see right here but in the next dimension there will be a greater intimacy even greater than the one that we experience right here and right now and and it's not and according to Jesus, it's not set up by contracts, marriage. It's not set up by a piece of paper. It's not set up by this commitment or this covenant because we don't need that. But anyway, if you want to hear from that, tune into our, our Facebook group. Actually, if you're on Facebook right now, JT, if you could post a link to our Facebook group. Wanda, good to see you. JT, if you could post a link to our Facebook group. If you're not in our Facebook group, man, that's where a lot of stuff goes down. De- daily devotionals are coming out, um, links to some good stuff. I mean, that's where a lot of community happens. We have, I don't know how many, we have a lot of people in our Facebook group. I don't know how many people, but uh, we want you, it, it's, it's, it's free to join. We're not charging you anything. It's on sale today. But tomorrow, it'll be a little more expensive, so you better jump on it. Um, Anyway, if you want to be a part of that, that'd be awesome. But I shared that in our Facebook group. And so there is, yeah, no particular, specifically, there's no sex in heaven, but there's something so much greater. Um, Same thing with food right? Uh, uh, Cassie and I were talking about food in heaven. Oh man, when I was a kid, I always imagined there would be a whole room in my mansion full of cookie dough. Like I'd open up the door, there'd be all this cookie dough, and I could eat as much of it without getting a stomach ache that I want. I just thought that would be so awesome. Cassie was saying that when she was a kid, she always imagined that there would be a, 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 a cool whip cloud. I can't say that five times fast, but a Cool Whip cloud. I guess when she was a kid, Cool Whip was like the one thing she was, sweet thing she was allowed to eat because of, of, of her condition. And so it was, it was like the best thing ever. So she imagined it'd be a whole cloud of it. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there will be, Cassie. Maybe there won't. I, know. I, think, I think one of the problems is, is that as we think about heaven, we think about, really, we think about this life and then we think of an upgrade. We think of this dimension and we think of more, bigger, better, no, no negative consequences, right? I can eat as much oh, Cool Whip, I guess, as I want and never get a stomach ache. I can eat as much cookie dough and never get a stomach ache, never get fat, never get old. It's like sort of like, okay, um, it's this life, but, but without all of the negatives. And that is true, though. There's a lot of scripture that talks about how there will be no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no death, no sin, 
no arguing, no pride, no division, no politicians. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Uh, no, uh, the, some of them might make it, but they won't be politicians when they get there. Uh, no politicking, I guess we could say. No, 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 no greed, no anger, no lust, no jealousy. There's a lot of no's in heaven. There's all the no, there's not, there's no, no fire ants. The Bible doesn't specifically say that, but I'm just in the message version. I think it says that. No fire ants, no snakes that'll bite you. Uh, no, uh, I'm talking Texas language right now, but uh, no polar bears to all my, all my Michigan family. <clears throat> no, <clears throat> no, no, no Canadian drivers <laughs> to my Michigan family. Uh, man, uh, they, the, the, all the Mounties will be on their horses and I, that, 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 that is in heaven, but there's no, there's no crazy driver. Like, I mean, all the stuff that's bad that we think of as bad won't be in heaven. And that's probably true. There seems to be evidence of that as well as other things, other upgrades, right? There's, there's talk about that. There's lots of connection. There's a lot of what I was talking about. Intimacy There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of um, singing. There's a lot of worship. There's, there's a lot of the presence of God. There's a lot of peace. There is, there is, there is a lot of relaxation. There's a lot of purpose. There's a lot of pleasure. The Bible says that his right hand, God's right hand are, is pleasure forevermore. And that's what I would tell MTV, <laughs> that uh, there's a lot of it. It's forevermore. It's not just for a few moments. I mean, it's forever. There's pleasure forevermore. And so there's a lot of those things. And so sometimes when we, when we step into a sort of a um, creative thinking, thinking about heaven, we say, we say well, it's going to be sort of like this, but, but just, just better. And I think that's somewhat true, but the truth is uh, the, the, the resurrected body, we understand, lives in several, is in different dimensions than our current body. Uh, scientists uh, as, uh, approximate there could be as many as 10 different dimensions right now. Four are visible and six are curled. I think is, what they, is the way they say it. I don't know what that means, but it means they can't look into it. Uh, that there's, there are many dimensions. And, and, and Jesus, when he rose from the dead, the Bible explains some weird things about his resurrected body, right? Um, on the day when he rose from the dead, of course, the, the women went to see him and he was there. So his, his resurrection, it, it was verified. But then the disciples were waiting for him. And specifically, uh, Thomas hadn't seen him. And the disciples were in an upper room. The Bible says that all the windows were closed and locked and the doors were closed and locked. They're in a room, which is a square, basically. There's a top, there's a bottom, there's four sides. They're in that room. All the sides are closed. And then it says Jesus appeared before them. And that always weirded me out. I'm like, what? and then he tells Thomas, touch me and see that I'm actually physical uh, flesh and bone. In other words, he's not a ghost. So ghosts, I guess, could appear in different places, but how can flesh and bone appear in different places? How can he just come into a room that is, that is closed off on all sides? And the truth is that, well, if you're living in multiple dimensions, if you're living in a three-dimensional world, that's impossible. But really, if you just simply go to a four-dimensional world, it's very, very possible. You really ought to Google sometime a four-dimensional. You got a lot of time in your hand. Google four-dimensional cube. A cube, which is a, basically a box, a three-dimensional box. But when you move it into a four-dimensional space, it's, it's, it's really hard to understand. It's a bizarre thing. It's really interesting. Uh, basically, you fall out of a cube 
when, it's, when you step into a four-dimensional space, let alone five dimensions, six dimensions. Who knows how many dimensions? Um, but the truth is, in various dimensions, various things are possible. And I'm not a scientist, but I know enough to know that, yeah, it's, it's quite different. Even moving from a two-dimensional world to a three-dimensional world is a big jump. So if you draw stick figures on a board, that's a two-dimensional world. Uh, and a plane is two-dimensional. But if you step into a three-dimensional world, those stick figures, their lives are completely transformed forever. And so it's very similar that God is trying to explain to us something. He's talking to us about dimensions that, that we haven't yet experienced. So it's very hard for us to understand. But I am convinced that when we step into that dimension, that realm, then uh, number one, a lot of things are going to start making sense. Like how can God be three and one at the same time? Well, look at a three-dimensional cube going into a four-dimensional space, and you'll realize that a cube can actually be a lot of things all at once. Um, it's true that our perspective is so limited. And so what I want to get us away from is just thinking that heaven is going to be this upgraded version. Uh, it is a 2.0, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. In fact, what we are right now is not even what we were created to be. And this is, this is one thing that you, that you really need to grab a hold of because our culture has propagated a lie that whatever you are, that this, that this is the way God made you, right? And God doesn't make mistakes. So they've taken the truth that God doesn't make mistakes and they've added the lie that he made you just the way you are. Because that's simply not true. Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us that the first humans, Adam and Eve, were created in the image of God, in true righteousness and true holiness and fellowship with him. And, and that's true. But then Scripture tells us that those humans rejected the image of God. They, they, they could have eaten from the tree of life. Instead, they ate from the tree of knowledge. They chose knowledge over life. And we understand life is God. Life, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John says that there was the, in the beginning was the light and the light was the life of men. When they rejected life and instead chose knowledge, what they did was they rejected God. So they rejected the image of God. They marred the image of God. And from that moment on, God told them, if you reject my image, if you reject life, you will die because death will occur. Uh, we were talking to Micah the other night. We always have bedtime stories, and it's sort of turned into a Bible answer, question answer time. He was asking me, um, why did God make death? Why did God create death? And I said, well, why do you think God created death? And he said, well, because there is death. And that is the mistake that we often make, that whatever is, God must have created it. That's not true. God did not create death. That's not, that wasn't his idea. He didn't plan that. He didn't create that. We did that. <laughs> uh, we figured that one out on our own. We created death because God said, look, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. He warned us about it. But death came into the world because of sin and God didn't create sin. We did that. And so the truth is that ever since Adam and Eve sinned, creation has been, has been irrevocably um, changed. Uh, Adam and Eve's relationship with each other changed immediately. They were immediately living in shame. Their relationship changed with God. They were immediately hiding from him. Their relationship changed with their children. Their children uh, began fighting uh, against each other and ended up killing each other. Their, their relationship with the earth changed. The earth turned against them. The animals turned against them. Their relationship, even with their own bodies, changed. 
Previous to their, their sin, apparently it wasn't painful for women to give birth. I have no idea how that happened. But apparently it wasn't painful. But God said, now that sin has come into the world, now that death has come into the world, every time you give birth, there will be pain. Because their relationship to everything changed. And so this is what sin does. It, it, it messes up everything, and sin has messed up everything. COVID, God did not create COVID-19. He didn't send it as a, as a plague to, you know, kill people. That's not, God didn't create death. He's not into death. He's not into suffering. He's not into sorrow. That's all the devil's playground. Like, that's where he lives. He lives in that stuff. And, and he brought us into it when we surrendered ourselves and we turned ourselves over to the power of the evil one. Scripture tells us that death came into the world through sin, not through God's creation. So my answer to Micah was God didn't make death. We did that. And that's why death is so horrible. Even now, it's, it's terrible. Even now, there's grief. Now, like I talked about last week, we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we still grieve because it's not meant to be this way. There was never meant to be death. And so, so you, you do have to understand that even, even from the time that God created you, which, by the way, well, I guess this is controversial nowadays, but uh, life begins at conception is what we believe, and that God creates you at, at conception. But there is a lot that happens from conception even until the time you come out of your mother's womb. There are physical deformities that happen. There are uh, 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 malnutrition that happens. There, there are personality disorders that, I mean, there are so many things that many of us are born with. And all of us are born with, with hang-ups. All of us are born with, with certain propensities to different things. And God didn't make that. And he didn't desire for you to have that. Now, he'll use it. He'll work with it. He'll take you just as you are, absolutely. But you must understand that if you want to know who you really are, you cannot look to your history. You cannot even look to your own body because your own body has been, your relationship to your own body has changed. It's not what it should be. It's not what it used to be back in the garden. And so I guess what I'm preaching about is the fact that, that, that just because you are a certain way or just because you look a certain way, like Micah asked us a while back, why did God make me allergic to blue bonnets? We said, dude, God did not make you allergic to blue bonnets. God made you to enjoy blue bonnets like every good Texas child, but your body is rebelling against the image of God. And, and, and I'm not saying that we got to curse it and cast it out, you know, you know, curse and cast out allergies all the time. Sometimes you just live with it because in this dimension, we are living in a world of sin and there are consequences of that. And the hope of heaven, the great, one of the greatest things about heaven is that there will be no more consequences of sin. There will be no more allergies. There will be no more diabetes. There will be no more things which, which you may not even have. You say, it's not my fault. It's not your fault, but you are born into sin is what David said. I was born into, and, and I was conceived in sin and in iniquity my mother brought me forth. This is part of our existence. And so we are so used to living with the, the horrible consequences of sin that I think we forget what, amazing, what an amazing experience heaven would be when we don't have those consequences anymore. When there is no sickness, when there is no death. Because you are not who you were created to be. And even as a Christian, when we come to God, he does, he does deal with our sin nature. He does deal with our sin and many of the negative responses of that. He even brings healing to our bodies sometimes as a foretaste of what is coming to, to help us help whet our appetite for the place that we are going to. And so even as a Christian, 
we still look forward to a place. We still look forward to a place where there is no sin and no consequences of sin. And so the hope of heaven is pretty awesome. There's a lot of awesome things to look forward to, but ultimately we're not there yet. And so that's what I want to talk about too. Uh, Next is the hope of right here and right now. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to jump into scripture finally. Halfway through the sermon, we're getting into the the scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Let's read that again. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will, God will reveal to us later. This is the NLT version. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared. Uh, this, this, this past week, we had a, a pastor from, a local pastor who planted his church. Actually, right about three months after we planted City Chapel, we've been connected for a while. And, uh, what's that? Oh, okay. Uh, we've been connected for a while, and um, he, uh, they, they still meet in a school, so uh, they're, they're out, of, out of space to meet, so they used our space here and preached a sermon. And So I'm going to steal something that he was... He was talking about heaven because he's on the same sermon series we are. He's preaching a different sermon today, but anyway, he was talking about how, how heaven is going to trump it's going to be better than all of our greatest experiences, right? All of our, all of the greatest things that we've ever experienced. So he went kind of through his life, and I was, that, that got me thinking, um, even in my own life, that, man, like, when I was six years old, um, all I wanted for Christmas was a Nintendo. We're talking eight bits. Pete, Pete, Pete shared in that Nintendo with me. Eight, eight, eight bits of graphic power. Now you're playing with power. And so Peter and I, man, all we wanted was an intent. I was six years old. Pete was a little younger. And, and man, I, I remember I tore open that. that and, it, and there was Nintendo. It was $100. It was amazing. And I thought, man, it can't get any better than this. It can't get any better than this. We started playing Duck Hunt right away. Come on, somebody. We said it can't get any better than this. But truth is, Paul says, yet what, what you're experiencing now is nothing compared to the glory that is coming. So I grew up a little bit, got to experience a few, a, a few, a few more things. When I was, when I was uh, 17, I preached my first kind of real sermon. I preached my first sermon when I was 12, but my first real sermon was 17. And then later on, I was 20, I preached to a crowd at Maranatha, like 2,000 people, and it was awesome. The presence of God was there. I was digging it. I was loving it. And I was thinking, man, it can't get any better than this. And yet Paul says, dude, what you're experiencing now, Harry, it's nothing compared to the glory of what is coming and so that was an amazing experience but you fast forward a little bit and then you know there's the time on august uh 18th to i gotta get the date right august 18th 2006 when my wife came walking down the aisle and it wasn't really an aisle it was actually we were on a uh, a patio of a, of, a, of a ski resort during the summer up in Colorado. And so there was, there was some chairs. And anyway, she came walking down the aisle and over her head were thunderclouds because the storm was coming. So I was kind of like, let's hurry up. Let's go, go, go. So she's coming down and I'm looking to her eyes and I'm thinking, man, it doesn't get any better than this. 
No, actually, that's a lie. Um, when I was looking into our eyes, I was thinking, we need to hurry up, get through this, so we can go back to the hotel where it will not get any better than that. So I'm just, from a guy brain, I'm just letting you all know. It wasn't the vows that, no, that wasn't, that, that wasn't it. We got, <laughs> we were the first ones to leave. We, like, we, we did a little dance, we ate some cake, and we were gone. And, um, and, and, and it, you know, thinking, man, it doesn't get any better than this. And yet, the Holy Spirit is saying through the Apostle Paul, dude, Dude, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to the glory that's coming. Uh, I remember our firstborn, Madden, was born. Um, she came out. Uh, the midwives brought her out, put her on Roe's stomach. And I'm laying next to Roe. And I, I said, hey, Madden. And she turned her head and looked at me. I put my finger up. And she reached out and grabbed my finger. And I thought, man, it can't get any better than this. And yet the Holy Spirit says, dude, that's, Harry, that's nothing I feel, like, I feel like God is constantly calling us to something more because we get so in love with stuff down here. And he's like, man, if you think that's awesome, that's nothing compared to the glory that's coming. And I remember years, uh, years later, you know, Micah, just, just last year when I finally got my dream car, 1999 Dodge Viper, my seven-year-old son, Micah, he jumps in there and his eyes are huge and he's got his hands up with the top down and we're cruising from, you know, 475 pounds of torque per foot and uh, we're going from zero to rather fast, pretty quick, and his eyes and his hands are, and, and I'm thinking, man, it doesn't get any better than this, and the Holy Spirit says, that is nothing compared. That is nothing compared to the glory that's coming, and I'm fired up about the glory that is coming. I know you may have had wonderful experiences. I know you may have a great family, wonderful kids, a beautiful uh, wife, and a house, and a car, and a, and a, a bank account, and you might, you might have had some wonderful experiences, but it is nothing compared to what is coming. And not only is the good stuff nothing compared, but Paul actually says what we suffer now. Of course, the word suffer compared to what we're going is kind of, I think it includes everything. But he says what we suffer now. Whatever you're going through right now, trust me, it's nothing. <laughs> or, or to say the Texas way, it ain't nothing. Grammatically, that's not correct. But uh, it, ain't, it ain't, like, like COVID-19 is nothing compared to the glory that is coming. Uh, cancer is nothing compared to the glory that is coming. And, and I've seen some family members go through some cancer that took their life and it was brutal. But it ain't nothing. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It ain't nothing compared to the glory of one moment in the presence of God. Would you stop? Oh, I don't, I don't want to get too preachy, but my goodness. Would you stop asking God to reward you now? He can't reward you now because whatever he could give you now is still nothing compared to what's coming, to the glory that's coming. I know the divorce was hard, but the divorce was nothing compared to the glory that's coming. I know your, your loss was brutal, but your loss was nothing compared to the glory that's coming. I know the sickness is, is, is horrendous and it's scary, but it's nothing. Come on, somebody, somebody comment. It ain't nothing. <laughs> it is it's nothing it is nothing that's the correct it's nothing compared to the glory that is coming we get so caught up in the here and now but it's nothing compared i love how paul is comparing you know you were created to compare the church we're always telling people stop comparing 
get off of Instagram and stop comparing. Well, that's, that's true because there are some bad comparisons and there are some good comparisons. See, bad comparison is where you're on Instagram and you're comparing your marriage with their marriage, your kids with their kids, your state in your situation in life at your age with their situation in life at their age, your house with their house, that kind of thing. Those, those comparisons leave you unhappy, unfulfilled, impatient, ungrateful. Those are bad comparisons. But Paul is not through comparing because as humans, we were created to compare. We were created to hold one thing up against another. We just weren't created to hold the same thing up against itself. We weren't created to compare apples to apples, which is what everybody seems to want to do. We weren't created for that kind of comparison. We were created to hold up, what does he say, glory next to suffering. Because we were created to gaze at God. And there's nothing that compares to him. So we were created to see how amazing he was and how absolutely unamazing and unattractive everything else is in comparison to him. What Paul is doing is he's comparing his life now with the life that he's going to have. And I think we need to do more of that kind of comparing. If your life is going great right now, how about you hold it up next to heaven? Would you really put in those extra hours at work? Would you really build up that bank account even more? Would you really consolidate those investments even more? If you, when you compare it, oh man, this is nothing. Maybe your life's not going so well. Maybe things are difficult. Maybe you have COVID-19 and you're fighting for your life right now. We have uh, family members of people in our church who are dealing with it. We're praying for you. But you compare that now, I know you want to compare where you are right now to where you used to be. Like, oh, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to go there. I used to be able to run and to I went back, back when I was healthy. I, I know you like to compare, but that's apples to apples, man. This season versus that season. But Paul is, he's sitting in prison and he's saying, look, man, what I'm going through right now is nothing compared to where I'm going. And so it's different to compare where you've been to where you are. That will leave you unhappy. Because in some respects, the past always looks better, you know? It's like, man, boy, when I was that age, when, I, when, when, I, when, we, we, when we had that. When I, no, man, he's comparing to what's coming. And when you compare it to what's coming, you realize, wait a minute, right now is not, one, it's not worth everything. If things are going great for you, it's not worth it. Fix your eyes on things above. If things are going really bad for you, it's not the end. It's not over. This is not where I stay forever. He says, man, I, when I compare, when I do the comparison game, there's a, there's, there's a good comparison game happening here. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation, and this is what Paul is saying. This is, this is, what, this is, this is what I was really talking about with regard to the fall and Adam and Eve. Verse 19, he says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Uh, see, who his children really are. You don't really know who you are. You've never seen you. <laughs> you've lived with you, but you've lived with you not the way God intended it to be. 
So you can see in scripture, you can look at Adam and Eve, but really to find out who you are, there's coming a day when all his children will find out who they really are. Because in verse 20, this has to do with the fall of Adam and Eve and sin. It says, against its will, all creation, that's the trees, the birds, the animals, that's, 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 that's the wind, or that's why we have hurricanes, because, because all creation was subjected to God's curse, the curse of sin all creation that's you and me too that's our bodies we were subjected to God's curse but with eager hope the creation hopefully that's you and me too look forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay in other words your body is looking forward to the day when it joins up with your spirit with the same freedom that's happened in your heart through faith in Jesus, the same freedom from sin on the inside, your body is looking forward to the day when it gets rid of the results of sin, being sickness, disease, death, on the outside. All of creation, the animals, the, the trees, the, the fish, everything, is looking forward to the day when they get to join God's children. I love that. When they will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too. (laughs) Somebody say, me too. We also we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us we were given this hope when we were saved if we already have something we don't need hope for it but if we look forward to something that we don't yet have then we must wait patiently and confidently we too go back to that scripture we too wait with eager hope with eager hope we've been talking about how hope is a seed is planted not in the the ground this earth if you plant it in this earth that's not good it'll produce disappointment but instead we plant it in heaven and it produces faith and love last week we talked about how how where where hope comes from this kind of hope where it comes from it comes from knowing truth of god's word about what he's promised us but today i want to talk about eager hope hope that's eager we wait with eager hope the original word there for eager hope i hear you poppy i hear you michelle morphus i hear you manessa we also michelle i hear you we also we too wait with eager hope the original word for the word eager hope is actually a combination of three words it's really kind of a strange it's a strange word, which, which, which is a combination of one, away from, apo, meaning to uh, be away from or to turn away from or to take away from. And then uh, there's another word that means your head, <laughs> like this, this thing right here. Uh, and then there's another word which means to expect good things or expect better things. And so when I was reading this, I've always thought of the creation uh, expecting better things. And so that's, that's what I figured. And I always thought God was challenging us to expect better things. And I think that is important. I think it's important to expect better things. I think it's important to keep your head up, stay optimistic, 
and believe God's got better things. I think that's great. But what's the, 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 the head away from part? It's not, you don't see it in English, but it's there in the original language. And it's the same word used also with regard to creation. Creation is head away from, expecting good things. And we too, head away from expecting good things. What's he saying? Well, he's saying that it's good to expect good things, but it's not enough to merely expect good things. That would be just hope. But eager hope, according to Paul, is where we turn our head away from lesser things is where we turn our head away from stuff that we are currently experiencing. And that doesn't mean that we deny reality, it doesn't, but it means that we look away from it. That we turn our head away from lesser things. That we turn our head away from this life, this world, our possessions, whether things are going good or whether things are not. That we turn our head away from these things. And with all of creation, we understand we're living in these things, but we are turning our head toward what we hope in the future that God is bringing to us. And that's why the actual word, if you, if, if you, if you look it up in the Greek lexicon, it, it means to have uh, extended or, or strenuous hope. It's almost like hope with tension, hope with stress, hope under pressure. The pressure is right now things don't look too hopeful, but we believe that there is something further than we can see. This is why it's called hope, as he says, because if you can see it, you don't need to hope for it. But the kind of hope God wants to give us is the kind that we don't have to see his promise to believe his promise. That I see, I, my faith sees. I, I hear his word, and that's good enough for me. I don't have to see the evidence. I don't have to see the healing. I don't have to see the resurrection here and now, but I believe that it's coming. My faith is not, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to kill your faith by grounding your hope to a visual, to a sight. But it's not visual, it's audible. Faith comes by hearing. And so you hear the word of God. You put faith in the word of God. And that is where our hope is. Not in what we see. I'm turning my head away from what I'm seeing. I'm turning my head from what I'm going through. I'm turning my head from, 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 from everything all around me. All the good stuff. I'm turning my head away from my Dodge Viper right now. I'm just turning my head away from my, 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 my dream car. I'm turning my head. That's why Jesus said that anyone who comes to me must forsake his family. You've got to turn your head away from your kids. You have to turn your head away from your spouse. You have to turn your head away from your good things. But, turn, but do not let it suck your, 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 your vision and your focus. Because there's better things. <laughs> there's better things. How, I wonder if you really understood the betterness of the things which God has planned for us. I wonder how quickly we would let go of lesser things. I wonder how quickly we'd stop being so worried about lesser things. I wonder how quickly we'd stop trying to get all of our fulfillment out of lesser things. We, we yearn with eager expectation, but some of us are not turning our head. And so we're yearning while looking at our spouse, and that's why we're stressing our spouse out we're yearning while looking at our kids and that's why we're stressing our kids out we're, look, we're yearning while looking at ourselves and that's why we're stressing ourselves out because we're putting all this pressure of the hope of fulfillment on us on the here and now but, but scripture says it's not about here and now it's about what's coming and it's about the word of God so let me read to you quickly uh, the word of God Revelation 21 
Um, we don't we don't have this. Uh, so I'll skip. We, we, we have Revelation 22 in the passage down below the screen there. Um, John is taken up into heaven. This is the last chapter of the of his book, the book of Revelation, and and he says, then then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal the water is as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month 12 crops 12 months in other words there's never a time of barrenness we're going to a place where there's never a time of lack we're going to a place where there's never a season of sowing. It's always a season of reaping. And so this, this tree bears fruit every single month. And there's variety. That's something that I believe food, you know, food is proof. Food down here is proof that God is amazing. And that he's really good. Because he took something as basic as fuel and said, let's make it taste really good. Let's make it bring pleasure. Let's make it uh, turn on endorphins. Let's make it create, uh, you know, uh, this, 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 this thing in your mind that just makes you feel at peace. Let's, make, let's, let's create something that they'll call comfort food. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let's create something that, like, this is, this is how they'll celebrate. This is how they'll, they'll, they'll fellowship together. Let's create something that they can share and enjoy and cook and learn about. Like, like that's, and, and it's just fuel. It's just keeping us alive. But even fuel, he turns into something pleasurable and enjoyable. Well, that's also true in heaven. There is this tree, and it's bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Man, we need that. For the healing. So this fruit does more than taste good. <laughs> no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, which is the biggest deal of all. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The highlight of heaven is not all the stuff I've been talking about. This, some of the great uh, cookie dough mansions and cool whip clouds. It's not even the lack of turmoil, lack of war. It's not even the presence of peace and fellowship and connection. The highlight of heaven is this passage right here. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. What, this is a reference, actually, to the Old Testament um, priests. When the priests once a year would go into the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, they would, they would put this band around their forehead that had, uh, that had the name of God written on it. And so he would wear it to stand into the, in, into the presence of God. Because it's a, it's a reminder that he was created in the image of God and that the blood of this lamb that he's presenting is, is recreating that image. And John says, well, we're not going to need those religious garbs anymore. We're not going to need that stuff anymore because it will actually be written on their foreheads, every one of them, because we're all in the Holy of Holies. There will be no more night. There will not need a light lamp for the sun 
for the Lord God will give them light and there they will reign forever and ever uh, in, ver- in chapter 21 well at the beginning of chapter 22 it says the angel showed me the river of the water of life and it was clear as crystal there's some interesting points about Revelation 21 which you don't have on the screen but in verse 11 it says uh, as, as, as John is walking through the city he's getting a tour of the city of God he says it's shown with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel like jasper and then he says it is clear as crystal clear as crystal it's shown with a bright light clear as crystal and then in verse 18 it says that there was a wall that was made of jasper and the city was made of pure gold and then he says as pure as glass verse 21 he goes on to explain the 12 gates were 12 pearls like the gate was a pearl however that works i don't know each gate made of a single pearl the great street of the city was gold this is where we get the references the streets of gold and then he says as pure as transparent glass now this is fascinating to me as i'm thinking about this you have streets of gold you have gates of pearl you have a city of gold you have a water uh, river and you have these jasper walls right these are all very descriptive words these are words that we understand i know what gold is i know what jasper is i know what a pearl is this sort of I, I know what a river is this sort of makes sense but then after every description john says it was like glass now that's weird because gold is not like glass it's not transparent as he says so he's describing something and i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm tracking with him yes streets of gold got it and then he's like transparent like glass you lost me there john you're talking gold gold is a metal that is not transparent it's kind of yellow it's really shiny i don't think it would be good to drive on i don't know why the street is gold but anyway it's kind of soft you know i mean i'm pretty sure if you put a three thousand pound car on it just thinking about my car and you know they might not do so well 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 okay but then john says it's clear and he talks about these pearl the gates of pearl they're literally one pearl is a gate and then he says yeah those are they're they're a pearl and then they're clear and he talks about the whole city is gold and clear like glass this is so weird it's a very weird description obviously john's trying to describe something uh that in a different dimension it seems though that john sees gold and then as he zooms in or as he focuses on the gold the gold becomes clear like glass glass is something you can see through it's something that's transparent now this is in chapter 21 and then we get to chapter 22 where he says they will see his face so this is my hypothesis my hypothesis is that heaven is awesome and the streets of gold are awesome and the gates of pearl are awesome and they do present themselves in awesome splendor yet if you start to be attracted to the splendor of the gate the gate will become transparent so that you look through the gate because the point is not the gate the focus is not the gate the highlight of heaven is not the gate 
And so the gate shows you the, 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 the amazingness of the place. But as soon as you figure that out and you start to be drawn to the gate, the gate becomes clear like glass so that you see behind the gate. And what is behind the gate? A city. And you say, wow, look at this city. And then this, you start focusing on the gold of the city. And then you see through the city. And when you see through the city, the only thing that doesn't become transparent in heaven is the face of Jesus. Because that's the point. He created. See, the, the, the problem with all of his blessings down here on earth is we can fall in love with the blessings. We, can, we, we have pearls and they don't become transparent. We can fixate on them. We have children that don't become transparent. We have spouses and marriages that don't become transparent. These wonderful blessings from God, we can take them and we can start looking at them and we can say, wow, this is so valuable. This is so good. But it was supposed to be, it was intended to be transparent so that, so that, so that it starts reflecting really the image of its maker so that you don't fall in love with the gate or the street or the city or the river but as soon as you start going wow that is really awesome it lets you know that it is not the point that behind it there is this maker there is this face this face of God specifically Jesus Christ he is the face of God and so I want to share with you this quick video from uh, a guy named Dale, uh, Dale Black. Uh, it's his name. 1969, he was um, 19 years old, and uh, he was in a plane crash. Um, he, him and two others were in this small, this small airplane, and uh, he, uh, they, were, they were all pronounced dead on the scene, um, and he's the only one who came back. He was in a coma for three days, and when he came out of the coma, uh, his life was dramatically changed because of what he saw. And uh, there's, a, there's a longer part of his story where he talks about walking through the city, um, but we're just going to pop in for four minutes on a part where he's kind of at the end of his journey in heaven, uh, walking through the city of God. And uh, I want to show you, show you what he saw. So they're going to switch it to video here. Check it out. Did you, did you see Jesus? Later, I did. That was the last thing that happened after going through the city and asking questions and going through at the very last moment, I had been ushered closer and closer toward the light, toward the light, toward the light. The light that's in the center, center of the city. Yeah. And then there was a stairway that was near the glass sea, which it looked like a sea and a stairway that went up and a large angel with the most uh, power, if we would say that. And it was clear that he was basically in charge of that stairway. And uh, I be just began to communicate uh, to this angel heart to heart. Again, it's hard to say, did we talk? It seemed like it, but then it seemed like we didn't. This communication was, was just impeccably pure. And I began to recognize, I can't go up there. I can't go up. I, I can't go up and still go back. And I was thinking, go back. Go back? What, what, what do we mean? What's that mean? And as soon as I'm thinking, go back, the angel moved just to the side. But I looked into the eyes of the warmest, kindness, most wonderful. I knew this was 
the Son of God. I knew this was my Savior. And all of a sudden, my knees buckled. My legs lost their strength. And I just went down. I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was not worthy to... St- I was not worthy to stand in His presence. Funny that I didn't feel worthy to be in heaven, yet I knew I was worthy in the early part. I was somehow given this, granted this authority, but I had this supernatural uh, gift that I was worthy. Somebody had done something for me. He had. Yes. And so I'm down on my, just falling down, and I see his feet, and I grab them, and I hold his feet, and I see the scars. And I know this is the Son of God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. It is because of Him. He died for everybody. It's so cool because the Bible even says, no, I take that back. Jesus said that uh, I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through me will be saved. And it was because of that. He was, he's not condemning anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, what sins you've done, including murder. It doesn't matter what you've done. All of it is is forgivable. God can forgive anybody of anything. And then we have this free gift that we call salvation. You and I know about it. And that's it. what you felt and at his of feet. Course, like. I just, but to describe this experience, I just stopped at his feet feet and and I was worshiping him in down on the ground there and I f- heard the voice Dale do you love me <laughs> that's it do you love me mm. and I'm trying to think of all these words to say and I'm getting ready to say in a sense I'm getting ready to say but I've said nothing and I'm getting ready to say, of course I love you, Lord. I remember who you are, what you do. I'm getting ready to, to say that. And he bends down and whispers into my ear. And I'm now back. And now I'm back, he says. <clears throat> Man, awesome stuff. And now I'm back. And God sent him back. I believe in part to share with us, um, share with us the, the glory that is coming. And it's true, whatever you've done in your life, man, you can turn to Jesus. You can confess your sin right now, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and to purify our hearts and to make us worthy. <laughs> to make us worthy. Jesus talks about that several times. Whoever is counted worthy to be in the resurrection. How do you get counted worthy? It's through Jesus. Through his blood. By putting faith in his sacrifice. So, would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we come before you. And we just thank you for what you've done. For what you've done for us. For who you are for the free gift of salvation that's available to us. If, you've, if you're far from God, I just want to challenge you to call out to him right now. 
and say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Purify my heart. Do inside of me what I can't do for myself. Make me yours. Hmm. Lord, we repent of our sins. We agree with you about our sin. We stop trying to fix it ourselves and we put our faith in you and in your forgiveness. <clears throat> Submit to you. You're good. We choose to follow you. From this day forward, we choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you did pray that prayer, once again, I'd love for you to click on the new guests link. Um, it'll give you a chance to let us know that you made a decision for Christ today, that you uh, are following him. And uh, we want to be a part of that journey with you. We want to help you on that journey. Um, we have various small groups meeting 